Well, good morning, Bible readers. Uh, welcome to uh, the LNBC podcast, the Rooted podcast. And uh, Brother Nathan, can you believe it? We're in week 45. I can't believe that. Yeah, we're coming down to the end of the year. What is this? this is the 1st of November, and we're just uh, moving right along. So we've got several good verses or, or uh, scriptures for you to read this week. Uh, we've got about seven. Mm-hmm. And uh, so we hope that you enjoy reading those. Our theme for this month is uh, Jesus, uh, Son of God. And uh, we're going to be taking a look at... Uh, uh, several passages which uh, reveals that he is the Son of God. And it starts out in John chapter 5. And uh, it starts out saying, therefore. And so as we've always heard, you've got to know what it's there what for. What it's there for. Mm-hmm. Uh, I believe the King James Version says, and therefore. Uh, the NIV says that because Jesus was doing these things, and of course then we got to ask, well, what are these things? Mm-hmm. Find out so, what those things are. Yeah, absolutely. So we're going to back up for just a few minutes and just uh, take a look at what these things are or what therefore is. And that is that um, Jesus uh, was in Jerusalem, and I believe it's a, a, a festival had taken place, and, and he comes down to uh, the pool of Bethesda, and uh, he comes to the colonnade there. There's people who are laying there who are... Uh, who have problems, who have issues, they're disabled, they're blind, they're lame, and uh, they're paralyzed. And, mm. and he comes upon this one guy who's been paralyzed for 38 years, or unable to walk for 38 years. It's a long time. A long time. Jesus asked him, said, do you want to be well? And uh, that's kind of an interesting question, isn't it? That's right. <laughs> yeah. And he's been laying here for 38 years, and he says, yes, I want to be well. He says, but every time the waters are troubled here in the pool and I try to get in, he said, somebody beats me. And uh, so uh, Jesus says, well, just pick up your bed and walk. Pick up your mat and go. Mm-hmm. And uh, so the man does. He picks up his uh, mat and he leaves. And, of course, this is on the Sabbath. Being on the Sabbath, it was uh, unlawful for him to carry the mat. Uh, he was questioned about this. Jesus has already left and passed, you know, out of his presence. And he didn't know who Jesus was. Mm-hmm. And uh, so he said, I don't know who who was that told me to pick up my mat and walk, but I did, and I'm walking. That's right. <laughs> somebody greater than this, this pool itself and yeah. somebody who is the Lord of the Sabbath. Absolutely. absolutely. Well, Jesus then goes to the temple, and, and naturally this man's in the temple. I mean, wouldn't you? I mean, if oh, you yes. were healed, and mm-hmm. you would be there to praise the Lord. And so we find that Jesus uh, talks to him, and he says, I see you're well. And he says, but don't sin anymore. He said, unless something more severe come upon you, mm-hmm. something worse. And so when he found out it was Jesus, he went and told the Jews, it's Jesus that told me to pick up my mat and walk. And so now the Jews are upset with Jesus. They begin persecuting Jesus. Why? Because he was doing these things on the Sabbath. Mm-hmm. Therefore, he was doing these things on That's the Sabbath. That's right. It reminds me of that verse where he talks about, uh, will not a man not pull his ox out of a ditch on the Sabbath? Mm-hmm. Is, it, is it lawful to do good on the Sabbath? This is what I'm really pointing towards. Mm-hmm. And right. uh, the Sabbath was a time for uh, someone to do a good deed, uh, which Jesus did to this man. Absolutely. Absolutely. But then we find that on into our Bible reading, starting in verse 17, we find that uh, uh, Jesus is talking about honoring the Father and the Son. Mm-hmm. 
and he's revealing to them that he is the Son of God. Uh, this wasn't uh, this wasn't taken very well. They didn't like that. No, they didn't. No, he said, uh, "My father's still working, and I'm working too." Mm-hmm. And uh, so they assumed it from this that he is kind of uh, putting himself in a position where he's related to God, and they didn't like that. And so they said, "Hey, because you're calling God your father and and uh, and everything, and you're equal to Him, so we don't like that." Then from that point on, they wanted to kill him. They couldn't handle the truth. They couldn't handle the truth, as that one movie says. Yeah, <laughs> can't can't handle the truth, can you? Yeah. But uh, we find that Jesus replied to him. He said, truly, I tell you, the son's not able to do anything on his own, but he does what the father has shown him. And so he goes through this, uh, he goes through this talk about being what the father says I'm doing. And, mm-hmm. uh, you know, you and they still didn't get that. They, they just didn't get it, did they? No, they didn't. And there's a uh, he's co-equal with the father. Mm-hmm. He cooperates with the father. And there is order and submission in the uh, in the Godhead, he does and comes to do the work of the Father, and it is the Father who sent him. Yeah, absolutely. And he says, anyone who does not honor the Son doesn't honor the Father. And so he kind of puts it right back on him. That's right. Yeah. Just in the previous chapter, he told, uh, was it Thomas? Well, one of the disciples said, if you've seen me, yeah, you've seen the Father. You've seen the Father. Yeah, absolutely. And then he, then he goes on into life and judgment, and uh, he says, Truly I tell you that anyone who hears the word and believes him who sent him has eternal life. And, uh, and it will not come under judgment that he's passed from death unto life. life. And uh, this is a very, very interesting scripture as well. It says, Truly I tell you, an hour is coming, when, and now is, that when the dead will hear the voice of Son of God, and those who hear will believe. Well, is he talking about he's going to preach to those who are in the graves, to those who are dead? I um, think. Yeah, there's a great de- debate about that in yeah. the passage. Um, we see here about uh, one of the big themes of um, John is believing. Believing. And that's the heart of the gospel, believing on the Son of God, believing on the one that was sent by the Father, yeah. to, who came to seek and save the lost to pay the penalty for our sins. Yeah, Jesus is talking about the dead, spiritually dead, isn't he? Mm-hmm. He said, you know, those that are spiritually dead are going to hear. They'll hear my voice, and, and then they're going to believe. believe. And, mm-hmm. and, uh, but he said, uh, don't be uh, amazed at this because uh, time is coming when all who are in the graves, and see, they were amazed at what he was saying. But he said, all those who are in the graves, they're going to come out. He's talking about resurrection. Mm-hmm. And he said, there's two resurrections. Mm-hmm. He said there's going to be a resurrection for those who do good unto life, and there's a resurrection of those who do bad unto death. And that was controversial to some of the uh, Jews called the Sadducees. Sadducees. And Paul used that. I was reading that yeah. today in the book of Acts. Paul used that to kind of get himself out of a pickle in a, I don't know if it was, he was brought before a trial or, or what, but uh, he spoke for himself and say, said, he said, today I'm coming in defense of the resurrection. Resurrection. So he got those two groups of people, Pharisees and Sadducees, against each other. But here we see, we do read about the resurrection as Jesus uh, explains it to us. And those who believe will be raised to everlasting life. Absolutely. And then we move over into chapter 8 of John's Gospel for our next reading. 
And uh, we start at verse 12 there. And uh, these are interesting scriptures as well. And I would encourage you to kind of go ahead and read some prior to these uh, scriptures so that you might uh, be able to pick up on on more things uh, that, that's being said. But he's, he tells us there in the 12th verse, he says, uh, I am the light. I am the light of the world. And um, he goes on to say, anyone who will follow me never walks in darkness, but he will have the light, light of, of life. life. Mm-hmm. And, uh, of course, we know that in Jesus we have life. Mm-hmm. And I'm thankful that I have received the light and uh, that I have life. I've had it for many years now. And I'm yeah. sure you have too, Brother Nathan. Yes. And this, this analogy of the light uh, starts at the beginning of the Gospel of John. Mm-hmm. Uh, in him was life, life. and the life was the light, light was, was the life, life of men. Yeah. yeah, in the beginning. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And uh, so the Pharisee said, uh, "You're testifying about yourself." Mm-hmm. I said, "You can't do that." He said, "Your testimony is not valid if you're testi- testifying of yourself." And and uh, Jesus then went on to share with them that my testimony is true because I know where I come from and I know where I'm going. But you don't know. <laughs> they really didn't know. Uh, no. Well, they they didn't have any idea. They thought he was just of human origin, like the rest of us. Yeah, there was nothing divine about his uh, coming into this world. Well, I mean, he told them. He says, "You you judge on human standards." Mm-hmm. Then he was judging from God's standards. So they totally missed who he was and what his mission was. Yeah, and I think uh, at some point we're gonna we're gonna find that. I think it probably over in our Hebrew writings about uh, they weren't listening. You know, it's interesting how people can hear, but they can't listen. I wonder how many people sitting in our congregations on Sunday morning listening to good gospel preaching hear that word, but they never listen to it. Yeah, I probably shouldn't go this direction, but it reminds me of uh, of politics. People, what do they do? They hear, Mm -hmm. they listen to hear what they want to hear. Right. Or they just listen enough to defend their own point. And, uh, I mean, for these people, uh, somebody coming into the world claiming to be divine and claiming to be equal with God and doing the works of the Father uh, without any, um, I I mean, it would be like a mystery to them, and it would be something that they would not accept, except the Spirit would draw them. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I mean, even they ask the questions, you know, as uh, uh, Jesus is talking to them, they said uh, in verse 19, he says, well, where is your Father? Hmm. Yeah. They're wanting to know. They're they're kind of being inquisitive here to find out a little bit more about what Jesus is talking about mm-hmm. and everything. And and he says, "You don't know me, and you don't know my Father." Mm-hmm. He said, "If you'd have known my Father, you'd have known me." Yes. Or if you know me, you'd know the Father, because they are one. I don't mean to jump the gun here, but uh, somewhere in this passage, or one of the passages close to it, he's going to tell them who their father is. Oh, yeah, the father is the devil. Devil. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Absolutely. And he says, uh, he goes on to say that, uh, for if you do not believe that I am he, you will die in your sins. Mm -hmm. And so Jesus is actually telling them that in him is life and life everlasting. We find that in John chapter 14. He says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes unto the Father except through and by me. I believe it's one of John's epistles says that uh, he who has the Son has life, life, and he who does not have the Son does not have have life. life. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And then we go on into the truth and the freedom. Uh, 
uh, and starts in uh, verse 30. And we find that this is the longest passage of Scripture that we have to read. It takes us all the way up to verses 58. That uh, uh, He began to talk about these things, and uh, many, of, many people believed on him. Many people believed mm-hmm. what he was saying. And uh, then Jesus said to the Jews uh, uh, who had believed on him, he says, if you continue in my word, uh, he said, you are really my disciples. Mm-hmm. You are really my disciples. And you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. And, of course, this was raised another big question with the other Jews. Now, I mean, what do you mean we'll be free? Who, we, we have, we're descendants of Abraham. We've never been in bondage to anyone. Well, well, they really they had. Uh, well, they have, and they were in bondage even <laughs> at the time. Now, at yeah. the time, wasn't they? Mm-hmm. They were in bondage in Egypt, and they're also in bondage under the uh, the rule of the mm-hmm. Romans here. And and yet they're saying we're not been in bondage to anybody. So they're not uh, arguing with a clear mind or with a well, you know, arguing you can, to hear themselves. You can say things mm-hmm. long enough, uh, falsehoods long enough to where you begin to believe mm-hmm. them. You know, I guess that's what they were doing. But he says, truly, I tell you, everyone who commits sin is a slave to sin. So Jesus was telling him, says, if you're if you're living in sin and and you're giving in to sin, he said, you're you're a slave to sin, and you are in bondage. And uh, so I'm so thankful that we can be uh, we can be set free. We can be set free from the bondage of sin through what Christ has done for mm-hmm. us on Calvary's cross, through who he says he is, that he is God's son. Right. Yes. Mm-hmm. He said, who among you can convict me of sin? So Jesus was asking that question. And he says, for I'm telling you the truth, that why don't you believe me? <laughs> I can just hear Jesus saying that, can't you? Yes. Why don't you believe me? Mm-hmm. And, because I think we, we get to that point sometimes when we're witnessing people and they don't trust us, they don't believe, they don't accept. And why don't you believe? Why don't you accept Christ? And said, the one who is from God listens to, uh, to the words, God's words and listens to him. But he said, this is why you don't listen. This is where I was coming back to this listening part. They heard, right. but they didn't they listen. listen. And he says, because you are not of God. And because you're not of God, you're not listening to what? what is being said and what's being done. He says, your father Abraham rejoiced to see my day. And he saw it. Mm-hmm. He saw it by faith, didn't he? Right. He saw it by faith. And uh, and he was glad to see it, glad to know that Christ was coming. And, uh, of course, they were talking about Abraham being their father and everything, mm-hmm. and they were holding on to those those Old Testament things. And, and of course, we find that even in verse twenty or verse thirty or fifty-three, he even they asked him again. Says, "Who do you claim to be? Who are you?" You know, they keep wanting to mm-hmm. ask this question. You know, who who are you? And uh, and then because he talked about Abraham and and knowing Abraham and all, they says, "Well, you're not even fifty years old." Right. And of course, I think fifty years old was kind of a key age. That when, I know. I believe that was kind of old back then. Yeah. Um, you and I'd be in trouble. Yeah, well, I would, I'd be in <laughs> but real trouble. I believe the Apostle John, though, did live quite a bit past that age. Um, but 57 does set Jesus up for that uh, a big statement in verse 58. Yes. He said, before Abraham was, I am. And that was the very offensive statement to them because then they took up stones. You know, they didn't, don't realize who he is. Well, I am. I think they keyed in on that. 
they knew they knew what who he claimed to be. Yeah, they but knew, they didn't they accept knew that. The I am, right? What the I am statement was, mm-hmm. and, and he picked up stones. But it's interesting. Jesus kind of hid himself, kind of just slivered off out of their presence, didn't he? He got out of there somehow. Yeah, absolutely. Doesn't ex- tell us exactly how. Absolutely. And then then we come over to the uh, uh, to the epistles, and uh, John's or uh, Paul's going to be writing about about Jesus being mm-hmm. the Son of God. And uh, it's kind of interesting. We find Jesus was revealing who he was to those Jews, and Jesus has now been uh, crucified, buried, resurrected, and uh, and now he's ascended to the Father. And then we got Paul comes on the scene. And, of course, Paul, he wasn't a believer to start with. I mean, he was Saul. He was one of them. He was one of them, yeah. Mm-hmm. And, uh, to the extreme. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, but it, it's interesting that whenever that Paul, uh, on the road to Damascus, came in contact with Christ, and Jesus even asked him, says, why are you persecuting me? You're not persecuting mm-hmm. anyone else in the church and all this stuff, uh, you know, but you're persecuting me because he was the church. He, mm-hmm. he ordained the church. He set up the church and uh, and. Whenever that Peter or Paul was uh, brought down and he accepted Christ, he became so much for Christ that he is willing to give up everything in mm-hmm. life just to know him and to know him in his suffering and to know him in every way. And he went out and preached Jesus being the mm-hmm. Son of God. I have a friend who points out quite often that uh, something like this, that that God picked one of the best soldiers that Satan had and took him from his army and put him in his own yeah. army to proclaim the gospel. Took one of the best that Satan had. Oh, oh that's a good way to put yeah. it. Well, don't you see that even in today? People who are living such terrible lives and they get saved and, and then they become on fire for the Lord. Yeah. I believe that goes back to what Jesus said, uh, the one who is forgiven more yeah. loves more. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, more is required too. Mm-hmm. But I think Paul and then comes into chapter 2 here of Philippians. Philippians chapter 2. Now he's writing to the church in Philippi and he's talking about encouragement. He says, if there is any encouragement in Christ. And he lists a whole lot of things. He said, consolation and love and fellowship with the Spirit and affection and mercy. And oh, he goes through all of this stuff and he says, uh, um, do nothing out of selfish ambition. And he's letting, I think, it, uh, his followers there know that, hey, you can't be selfish in everything and serve God the way he wants you to serve him. We have to we have to give up self. And he tells you, we have to deny self, pick mm-hmm. up our cross and follow him. And um, so we see that. And, and then we see him talking about Christ. Uh, and his humility and his exaltation, and that's that's a great some great scriptures there, uh, in verse five through eleven. Uh, and one one thing I think that's so interesting about it, it's such a fantastic, magnificent mm-hmm. passage, five through eleven. Yeah, but we often forget to connect it with one through four. Yeah, that this is an example for us, mm-hmm. and that we should. The type of selflessness and the type of love and consolation, all those other things, mercy, that we should extend to others should be after Christ's example. And that example is so great that this passage just... And I I believe in um, 
from the earliest times of the church, it kind of stood alone, you know, about the self-emptying of Christ and his exaltation that uh, we forget. It's such a doxological statement that we forget it is an example to us. us. Absolutely. Well, he gave up everything in heaven to come to this earth and to even to go to the cross, and mm-hmm. I mean, you know, how, how far are we willing to go with Christ? Mm. Mm. How far did He go for us? He went all the way. Yeah, our problem is we still have that old sinful nature sinful within. Nature, yeah, yeah. We we love our creature comforts, and uh, we really don't want to go too far out of our way to Absolutely. upset our routine. Well, I mean, in this too, Paul is kind of showing us that you know He is the Son of God. Jesus is the Son of God. And he said uh, he's been exalted. He's sitting at the mm-hmm. right hand of the Father because of his obedience and all here upon earth and what he did for us. And then he says, and there's coming a day uh, when everybody's going to see him. Every tongue is, every mm-hmm. knee's going to bow and every tongue's going to confess, you know, that, that he is Lord. And to the glory of God the to Father. The glory of God what the I think is interesting about this passage is this. We see him descending, 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 descending. Then you hit the point of the death of the cross. And we're back to exaltation. It coming back up. Yep. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, well, phrase by phrase, it gets <laughs> more humility. Uh, he was in the form of God, so we see him exalted. He didn't think it was something to cling to. Here we are coming down. Made himself of no reputation when he was the greatest in all the He was the greatest of all times. Yeah. As we hear so often about in sports, he took upon him the form of a Servant going down, made in the likeness of men. And we got to remember, mm-hmm. man is sinful. Sin. Mm-hmm. And being in fashion, found in appearance as a man, rather, he humbled himself even further and became obedient to, to death. death. Then you get another phrase, even, even the death, death of the, the cross. cross. And I believe we were reading Galatians that, uh, you know, curse is the one who hangs on the tree. Mm-hmm. It's a shameful death. Absolutely. But God has exalted him. Yep. And Absolutely. Uh, I think a couple uh, Sundays from when we're recording this, we're going to hear about the name of Jesus. The name of Jesus. That there is no other name, name. no other name under heaven given among men whereby we must, we must be, be saved. saved. And that's the name that is exalted, that at which every knee shall bow, tongue shall confess, that Jesus Christ not only is Savior, but he's Lord. He's Lord. Yeah. Absolutely. And it glorifies God. And... Uh, Throughout his life, he was doing all these things to glorify mm-hmm. the Father. So his exaltation and the, the praise that comes to him glorifies the Father. Absolutely. Absolutely. And then we jump over to Colossians um, chapter 2. we got just a few verses there. Uh, he starts out, uh, he's talking about continuing to walk and to live in Christ. Uh, the Apostle Paul was encouraging that and uh, he said that uh, uh, so that you just just as you have received Christ as your Lord and Savior says continue to live in him mm-hmm. continue to walk in him and then verse uh, verse 8 there says be careful and he warns us he warns the people he says to be careful that uh, no one's taking you captive you know through philosophies and empty empty deceit and mm-hmm. Uh, and based on human traditions and based on uh, elements of the world. Mm-hmm. And we see so much of that today, don't we? Yes. The people are deceived and they're, uh, they're, they're taken captive by philosophies of the, the world mm-hmm. and, and, uh, and empty deceit. 
But he says, but rather we need to, we need to put on Christ, don't we? That's we need right. To put on Christ. He says, for the entire fullness of God's nature dwells boldly in Christ. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Um, um, we beheld his glory in um, John 1. The glory of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace, grace and, truth. and truth. So um, in him was all the fullness of the Godhead bodily, which is the <laughs> statement we read in verse 9 there. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Now, we go a little further. I, I wanted to read verse 13 there. I know that's not part of our reading, but I just wanted to share that. It just says, and when you were dead in trespasses, he made you alive with him and forgave us all our trespasses. I'm thankful it was all. Yeah, he he uh, had, dwells on that theme at the beginning of uh, Ephesians 2, that we were dead in dead trespasses and sin, sin, but we've been made alive through Christ. Absolutely. For by grace we have been saved. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's not of ourselves. It's not of works. The not of anything of we've done that we can boast. Yeah, it's all through his grace. But, and then, and then his mercy, go. but God is rich yeah. in mercy. <laughs> and then we go over to Hebrews. Wow, Hebrews is a great, great book. Mm-hmm. And uh, we find that the Hebrew writer, uh, he begins to tell us there in, in chapter 2 and uh, starts out with, uh, with verse 5 there in our reading. He says, but uh, I like this part because then he says there in verse 6, he says, but someone somewhere has testified. Who is that someone and somewhere? What is man that thou art mindful of? Uh, it was David. David in, in Psalm, Psalm 8. Psalms 8, yeah. 4 through 6. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And uh, he says, uh, what is a man that you remember him or a son of man that you care for him? says, you made him lower than the angels for a short time. Now, here he's talking about Christ mm-hmm. being made lower than the angels for a short time, a short time. And you crowned him now with glory and honor and subjected everything under his feet. In other words, everything is now subject to mm-hmm. Christ. Yeah. Absolutely. And that uh, it also says in an almost seemingly contradictory statement um, for that he put in subjection under him, mm-hmm. he left nothing that is not Subject. put under him. Mm-hmm. But now we see not yet all things put under him. Mm-hmm. So uh, one day we will see all. We will know, know for sure. I mean, we know by faith, and we know according to Scripture that he is over all things, and there's nothing. He's sovereign. Yeah. There's nothing out of his control. But one day he's going to rule as king of kings and lord of lords. And then we also see the same theme like in Philippians 2 about the self-emptying of Christ being made lower than the angels mm-hmm. for a purpose, which I think you're probably going to get to next, uh, verse 9, mm. for the suffering of death, yep. that he by the grace of God should taste death for every man. There's our substitutionary mm-hmm. atonement, right. our uh, Isaiah chapter 53. He is dying in our place. The Son of Man has come to seek and save that which is lost, and he did it through the his own death, death on the cross. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. He talks about brothers and sisters, and he can he 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 kind of compares himself to us. That we are his brothers and sisters, mm-hmm. and uh, even the seventeenth verse said, "Therefore, he had to be like his brothers and sisters in every way, uh, so that he could become a merciful and a faithful high priest in matters uh, pertaining to God." 
Mm-hmm. And in other words, he's saying that it was needful for him to become a man or to come in flesh mm-hmm. so that he might be able to know uh, the temptations and uh, and what we're subject to so he could be a perfect high priest. We find that also over in, in chapter 4, four. Mm-hmm. and verse 15. He says, For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weakness, um, but one who has been tempted in every way as we and yet without yeah, sin. So he's not only sympathetic to us, he's empathetic to us, except for the part of falling into sin. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, that was the, uh, the perfect part about it is that he came and, and, and he was in the flesh, but uh, uh, he was without sin, mm-hmm. without sin. He, he never succumbed to sin whatsoever. And uh, then we look at our, our apostle uh, and uh, high priest. Uh, we see we need to consider Jesus the apostle and high priest of our confession. Um, we need to consider him. Mm-hmm. And um, in verse 4 he says, For now every house is built by someone, but the one who built everything is God. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That God is, is over all, built all. Jesus was over all. And uh, we are the household if we hold on to our confidence and our hope. Mm-hmm. And this hope he's talking about is this great expectation of what's coming mm-hmm. for us in the future, uh, joyously expecting what's coming. And the old and King James says, firm to the end. Firm to the end. Absolutely. Such a confidence that we have in Christ Jesus. He's an anchor of the soul in verse in chapter 6, both stead and Steadfast and sure. Steadfast and sure, absolutely. Steadfast and sure. And he talks about entering rest. Mm -hmm. And uh, he goes on to talk about those uh, who were in uh, in the wilderness. They couldn't Mm -hmm. enter the rest. Why couldn't they enter the rest? rest, The rest he's talking about there is the rest of of crossing the river into Canaan. But they couldn't enter that rest because they were... Unbelief. They were disobedient. They were disobedient, and because and in, at the end of the chapter, unbelief. unbelief. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, I mean, that's the reason you're disobedient because you don't believe, right? That's that's <laughs> right. Yeah. <laughs> if you don't believe something, and you can disobey it, yeah. And they did, and they wandered around for forty years mm-hmm. out there until they all died off, and then the new generation got to go in. That's so what happens when we don't put full confidence in in God, mm-hmm. and we start to lean to our own understanding. understanding. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And then we go on over to uh, Hebrews in uh, chapter 10. And uh, we have 18 verses there uh, that we're going to look at. Uh, but uh, he talks about the perfect sacrifice. The Hebrew writer talks about this perfect sacrifice. And who is the perfect sacrifice? Jesus. 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 Yes, but in the sacrifices, there is a reminder of sin year after year. He's telling them. Uh, that in the sacrifices of the Old Testament, there was uh, uh, the reminder of sin year after mm-hmm. year after year. And uh, yeah, what's for, interesting about that passage is the law gives us a shadow of those things, and uh, it's a a grainy image. It's, it's it's not a clear picture of the sacrifice of Jesus Christ, but um, it is, and it says it's not the very image of those things, mm-hmm. and uh, it is a um, it's not a permanent sacrifice of the Old Testament. 
It's um, not an effective sacrifice because the blood of bulls and goats could never take away sin. But, yeah. um, but Jesus Christ sacrifices once for all, as we read in that passage. Mm-hmm. Right. And um, it, it is a permanent sacrifice, which means once for all, and it's effective. Yeah. It does wash away our sins. Well, I believe the, the sacrifices in the Old Testament actually was a covering for sin. Mm-hmm. But Jesus' sacrifice takes away. Takes away the sin. Takes away mm-hmm. the sin, and that's, uh, you know, that's, a, that's a blessed part in it. A, every priest stands day after day ministering and offering up the same sacrifice, or, or sacrifice time mm-hmm. after time. But it never takes away sin. No. Never takes away the sin. Mm-hmm. It says, "But this man, Jesus, mm-hmm. the Son of God, he comes and what does he do? One sacrifice, offering one for sacrifice, all. it is uh, for the sins forever, mm-hmm. and, he, and then he sat down at the right hand of God. Mm-hmm. It is finished. Yeah. yeah, it's finished, and he goes back to his place of authority. Mm-hmm. And now then he says, you know, I, this covenant I'll make with them." After those days, said the Lord, he said, I will put my law, what, on their hearts? Hearts. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I will write it on their minds. And he says, and I will never again remember their sin and their lawless mm-hmm. acts. Now, where there is forgiveness of these, there is no longer an offering for, for sin. sin. Yeah. doesn't have to be offered over and over again. One time. And then we come to the end of our reading, which is in Revelations. And for those of you who have been here on Sunday nights listening to Pastor, you already know this, but it's good for us to be reminded. Mm -hmm. Uh, We need to continue to be reminded. It starts out by talking about the revelation of Jesus Christ. It was given. It's given to show his servants. It was given to an angel. Then the angel gave it to John, and John gave it to the churches. Mm -hmm. and, And here we have it today. Right, We have it today, so it's given to us. But it says, To him who loves us and has set us free from our sins by his blood and made us a kingdom, priests of his God and Father, and to him be glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. Amen. And we should be looking for him to mm-hmm. return in the cloud mm-hmm. and hearing that trumpet sound mm-hmm. and being taken up so that we can forevermore be with him. But I like the end of it, and this is a good way for us to close our podcast today because we find that it says, I am Alpha and Omega. In other words, he's the beginning and the end and everything in between right. and everything in between. Mm-hmm. And uh, the Lord said that, and he says, I am the one who was, was and the one who is, mm-hmm. and the one who is to, to come. come. And he closes by saying, he's the almighty. almighty one. Almighty. What a great way for us to close mm-hmm. our podcast today. And Folks, I hope you have a great time reading uh, through these passages of Scripture, looking for Jesus being the Son of God. And uh, we see that through all of the Scriptures. He is, I mean, we even see it in the Old Testament, uh, but we find it right here in this New Testament, and these writings and these passages are so wonderful for us to see. And I pray that you believe, you accept, you know, and you are, are anchored in the fact that he is your Savior. So have a good reading, and God bless you.